This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest Preview Show, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Welcome, one and all, to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford, and my God, do we really have to play that lot now? Albert and Eskif are here to chew the fat on the HF, Odsham versus Parju and how we meet Brighton just at the wrong time. And we also speak to friend of the pod, Joe Walker, about the bombshells that Mandela Egbo drops on his new podcast, International Clearance. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. PitchDMM.com Yes, welcome everyone to the show. Um, sadly, it's uh, banging form Brighton that we'll get into later. Uh, but, but before we do that, um, Sam Heskiff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Albert Curley, as always, a pleasure whenever you ordain us with your presence. Uh, I was here last week. Heskiff wasn't here last week. So why am I getting that sort of backhanded compliment? It kind of in my brain, it was Heskiff who was here last week and not you. Um, just no. because that's the norm. No. no. <laughs> right. Exciting times this week, so let's get into this. Damn, I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? So we'll do beer check, and it is the most exciting beer check. Guys, it's, it's happened, hasn't it? <laughs> Finally, after several years of banging on about beers, we've only gone and got a beer sponsor. This beer check is officially sponsored by the Tiny Rebel Brewery in the week of their ninth birthday, no less. And... um we got some packages, didn't we, gents? Albert, what what did you get through the post? Uh, I got um, a selection of like eight beers, uh, which was very exciting. And almost more exciting, uh, some fancy glassware to drink them out of. Little beer glass. Okay. Well, exactly. That's what I'm just about to pour my key lime lager into by Tiny Rebel Brewery. It's the um, sort of beer glass that you get on holiday. You know, it's just a little one, a little, uh, little piquillo beer, just a little, little one with a bowl of nuts sitting on a veranda somewhere. Lovely. Yeah. Um, do, you remember, do, you going, do you remember going outside and going on holiday? Can't remember that anymore. Don't need to now. I've got the 
the beer and the glass in my house. <laughs> um, Heskiff, so not not usually a beer man, but you're getting on. You're going to get on the club Tropicana here. What were you thinking? Yeah, well, I was um, <clears throat> like Albert. I got uh, two nice packages. And we're talking about Tiny Rebel, not Manscaped, <laughs> uh, with uh, a selection of beers and some very nice glasses too. Uh, I am also on the Club Tropica, uh, which I'm reading it as you normally do, which is a tropical IPA apparently with a golden hazy eye, uh, a mango pineapple nose and a tropical taste. And I was told it tasted like a can of ting. Um, And it does taste like a beery version of ting. So that's completely accurate. I think coming from you, that's a a big compliment. Um, One of my favourite beers, that one. And... um, what about you, Albert? What are you on? Uh, well, I've already drunk all of the the Cali Pale, um, which was which is a good sign. Yes, yeah, I, I tucked those away, and now I'm I'm at the moment I'm with Heskiff. I'm 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 knee deep in Club Tropicar. Um, notice I'm not mispronouncing it like you, Terence. Um, well, I have to say, I mean, it's because it used to, it used to be called Club Tropicana until right. a lawsuit, as we've talked about previously. Um, From Wham, so they do do a Club Tropicana now, but that's the non-alcoholic version, and the NAR on the end is an NA in a separate line. So, and I have to say, for all my um, you know derision at you for drinking beers with you know fancy flavors, I have to say this one's not you know this one's pretty good. It's just a shame it's not sunnier outside. That's that's the only. Uh, that's the only issue there. Yeah, I had a, I had a really sort of limey, fishy dinner earlier, and um, this key lime lager would have gone lovely with that. But um, yeah, so thank you very much to Tiny Rebel. Happy ninth birthday. Um, yeah, really appreciate it, and um, oh, hopefully we'll get some more in the future, lads. So today, we didn't get past 9am in the morning, and it was Simon Jordan versus Andros Townsend on Twitter straight off the bat. Um Simon Jordan responded, someone said, Andros would have liked me at Crystal Palace as I would have increased his non-playing sub bonus. To which Andros Townsend replied, Simon, you probably would have, which is why you ran the club into near extinction. Um, Heskiff, it's a bit of a, there is a portion of fans that still have a bit of a loving for Simon Jordan, seem to have forgotten um, where he took the club and, uh, you know, absence or you know length makes the heart sort of forget and stuff like that but um andros has he's done him a bit here isn't he yeah i'm not one of the people that still has a fondness for simon jordan i must say so uh i thought andros was not only spot on but getting that barb in early doors like you say was uh was a nice touch from him well it comes about i guess from the show the night before on talk sport um when simon not simon jordan um andros townsend was on there talking about uh various football stuff and obviously crystal palace and um one of the things albert i was touching on was palace without zaha where you know the record just gets worse and worse obviously he said we've not been able to adapt without him we need to find a way we brought in Eze and Batshuayi. We have players that can step up. We know we've got tan play- talented players to get results without Wilf. We just need to do it. Um, <laughs> starting on Monday would be a, a good way. A good way to go. Uh, yeah, uh, credit to Andros for speaking so bluntly. I mean, it's not like anybody else doesn't know that that's the case. Um, but why did uh, Simon Jordan take issue with that? Just out of interest. I don't. I, I don't know. He just. Um, I, 
I guess it's because they're all on the same show and they're all on TalkSport and they're talking this. It was an attempt at some banter or something. I don't know. It, it was it was kind of an indirect, really. Mm. Andros, um, and then Andros has noticed it. So I, I don't know why. Why is Andros Townsend on on TalkSport talking about um, very? current club situations you know it's still it feels weird I'm, I'm surprised he's been allowed to continue to do it to be honest um but there you go i think he kind of let slip that wilf might even be fit for monday night um or he's at least in with a fighting chance i mean i, I doubt it but you know his language around it wasn't that he was fully ruling him out but um again we'll we'll get into that later but yeah there you go simon jordan andrus townsend the fights you never knew you needed first thing on a wednesday morning um what else we have? We've had the Homesdale Fanatics have gone and put a, a banner outside the training ground, which says Palace pandemic of apathy, change this mentality, restore the pride, ambition and vision. And this has come with a statement on social media, which says losing games without a fight, flair players shackled in negative formations, a lack of leadership and pride on the pitch. This is not the Palace way. Our safety first approach is being exposed and our spineless defensive tactics show no ambition or vision. Unused spaces on the subs bench instead of adding youth players to the first team bubble highlights the lack of inspiration. Consolidating just above the relegation zone with no plan for progress is not sustainable and breeds a negative atmosphere. This and the continued disregard for cup competitions shows a lack of respect to all supporters. We must reevaluate our long-term vision and use this opportunity with so many expiring contracts to make substantial changes across the club to rebuild with the spirit and mentality of the promotion squad. Committed winners fighting for the shirt, attacking football and youth put front and centre or at least given a genuine chance. A transfer policy based around young championship players and others desperate to make an impact, not overpaid marquee signings. Restore the positive values and together we will push forward. Anyone not aligned with these should not be involved. The committee supporter deserves better. The club is sitting on a huge potential, but apathy is limiting ambition. Brighton next Monday will expose those who care and those who don't. Um, start with you, Heskiff. Uh, agree with the sentiment of the statement or disagree? Uh, agree with the statement. Um, I think as well... One thing that needs to be pointed out, because I know some people aren't, aren't sort of into these big statements, is that if there were fans in the stadium, you, there would certainly be vocal um, derision. Maybe is too strong, but you know, pe- people would be venting their feelings vocally. Um, and as we can't do that because we're having to watch on TV, which we've discussed before, being you know rubbish and not fun at all. Um, there's got to be a way to get your voice your voice out and. I know that some people think the HF sort of take on a tone that it's them speaking for everyone. But the way the team's playing, I don't think there can be too many people who are disagreeing with it. You know, um, the, we'll, we'll get into, I'm sure, the game against Burnley, but it did look like there was a lack of passion. Um, it did look apathetic. And, and there doesn't seem to be a, a huge turnaround in tactics coming anytime soon. So as far as the, the sentiment of the statement goes, I, I have to say I completely agree with it. How are you feeling, Albert? It's a bit wordy for a chant, isn't it? I can't see it catching on. <laughs> um, I mean, I want to I get into chatting to you in a minute about um, 
what's worse this time under Hodgson or the end under Pardew. We'll, we'll get into that. We had a bit of that in WhatsApp this week. Um, That's going to be fun. But, yeah, <laughs> just about as fun as the football, I imagine. But um, but yeah, how are you feeling about the sentiment of the whole statement? You, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I get what Heskiff's saying. We're never, we've never been backwards in coming forwards in the stadium about making noise and showing our discontent. Um, go go back to when I was a kid. I remember us throwing season tickets on the pitch, <laughs> albeit it was the last home game in the season. But <laughs> you, get, yeah. <laughs> you get the point. What a it was gesture! The, what, what a gesture! gesture. It was when we lost we lost the Wolves and it was the um we ended up sacking Alan Smith and appointing Kemba for the last two games of the season, which was Portsmouth and Stockport away. Um we've also been, you know, I think to when it all kicked us up when we even went on the pitch and squared up with Damien Delaney in the four 0 loss to Sunderland, if you think more recently. So um forgot yeah, about that. To, yeah. Um, but that's you know, God, could you imagine what one of our players would do now if a fan came on the pitch and scared up, squared up to him? I don't. Van Arnold give... would just fall over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so what, what, what's your feelings on the statement? Uh, yeah, listen, I think it's. Uh, I don't think it's the most um, outlandish thing to say. I think it's 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 fairly measured um, in its tone. No, I think the HF can bit like Marmite. Some people are all for it. Some people really don't like them. I'm sort of, sort of sort of float somewhere around the middle. I think they do really positive stuff. And at times I think there's stuff that they don't come out looking so good. But on, on this occasion, I, I certainly agree with the, with the sentiment and how they've kind of executed it. Obviously it can't, it can't be done in a stadium. You know, they've not chosen to, you know, pitch up and loiter outside the training ground, socially distanced. Um, you know, it's, um, yeah, I think it's kind of, it's just consolidated probably what, I mean, what I can only assume is the vast majority of how Palace fans are feeling at the moment. I mean, yes, we all go back to, oh, but we're probably not going down, you know, it have to be a real disaster for us to go down, which is, which is true. And, you know, I mean, I look at that league table, I think where on earth did we get those points from? I'm sure there's been like an admin error somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, it, but at, at the same time, you know, that does, that is kind of the sort of definition of, you know, apathy and whatever you want to call it, you know, being a bit too complacent and it is, it is a waste of, of, of a decent squad and of a decent team and, and whether it's a change in attitude or a change in management, you know, so, something does need to change, you know, it's not, it's not the worst situation a football club's ever been in. Um, but it is very, very stagnant and stagnant things aren't, um, aren't, uh, enjoyable. Uh, that's why they're stagnant. So yeah, fair play to him for doing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, and uh, they put, they point out in a statement that there's a really big opportunity this summer to, you know, change and build the club with all the players that are coming out of contract. So it'll be certainly interesting to see what goes on there. But we, it sort of moves into us talking about what was worse, Hodgson or Pardew, Albert. And um, it's quite, it's, it's kind of got to that where we're, we're all extremely miserable and we, we all need something to change. And um, I think the nature of the last two defeats has been, well, it's been pathetic, really. Uh, particularly that Burnley game, just, you know, they just, a lot of people talking about 
Burnley turning up and kind of looking like us, you know, when when we first got promoted, a team that's all playing for each other and has an identity and um, all of that good stuff where, you know, you only had to look at Hodgson on the sideline. There was that clip where they went to him for about 15 seconds and he just looked completely lost, turning around, looking at his bench, not knowing what was going on. And um, so, yeah, we started, we started talking about what was worse, uh, Pardew or Hodgson, and um, we had different opinions, Albert. Yeah, you really, really loved Pardew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I mean, I get a lot of Palace fans did, especially for that. No, you know. of course. I like. Yeah, listen. I. I mean, I was. I've. I've never been a fan of Alan Pardew pre-Palace, but you know, if a if a Palace manager's doing well, it means Palace are doing well, and it was the same with Allardyce and. Like I say, if the manager's doing well, then Palace are doing well. And I've got, you know, you can't really complain. Um, my problem with, um, think, the thing is, my my argument with, um, oh, sorry, my argument against Alan Pardew uh, in this in this conversation, you know, it involves a big if. And, you know, ifs are all, all well and good. You know, um, for me, you know, if, if you take away the cup run, which was hugely enjoyable. I'm not going to lie. Uh, uh, you know, it didn't end well, but it was it was an enjoyable ride. If you take away the cup run, I mean, from what October, October before the the new year where we got went on the cup run, we were just utter dog shit in the league, um, and that certainly carried on um, the season after the the, you know, the the cup defeat. You know, we were awful right up until he got sacked. Apart from a you know, the freaky 3-0 against Southampton where Alan Pardew thought it was fit to have a dig at the American owners. And, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 still, I still feel that league run under Pardew is, is worse. It's worse than what we're going through now. Um, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's by a country mile, but um, for me, it's, it's bad. It's bad now, but it ain't as bad as it was under Alan Pardew towards the end. Yeah, so I I think the difference between the two, if you're looking just in the league, is that Hodgson always breaks up bad form, with the exception of post-lockdown last year, where it was seven straight defeats. That was obviously um, Hodgson's worst run as Palace manager, would probably exclude in the opening of the first season when he came in and you know, had to pick up the pieces of De Boer. Uh, but... He always breaks up bad runs with he'll pick up like a draw and a win or two wins in the middle of like five or six defeats and it's it's always split up so it's never a a sort of long dreary period. You got those under Padre, but he broke them up with cup results and the cup getting through in cups just always keeps that you know that the getting to the final was just unbelievable that season. The season before we had a decent run in the FA Cup as well. I think we got to the fifth round and were unlucky to lose there. The following season we had another go in the cups as cups as well. League Cup at least we won a couple of games in that. It's not. Um, it was all there was always something to look forward to. I agree. Once part once we got to post the FA Cup I mean he should have been he should have been sacked the moment he done that dance to be honest um, as, as soon as as soon as Rooney equalised he should have been out the door then he should have manager who, manager who fucking won the cup got fired it's like, oh well <laughs> I mean don't I'm, don't, sure, don't, I'm sure the letter got passed under the wrong door yeah <laughs> I'd say it, it just you know that whole day just you know seeing May United fans leave to not see the trophy presentation just so they could get off quickly it's just like 
I'd fucking still be there now, mate. They would have, have, you, have, you have tried to drag me from out. Wembley to Guildford? It is a bit of a bark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah, absolutely. Like that that period between the August and November, December of Pardew's final season in charge was was rough. It, it really, really was. And um, fight that 5-4 at Swansea still remains one of probably my worst supporting Palace days. But... At least it was five four, and I and my. At least it was I, five four. You know it's grim. <laughs> you know it's grim. <laughs> at least it was five four, and not three 0 Is more what I'm getting at. But I don't know how I'd be if I was in stadiums right now. But I know how I am at home. Like sometimes being in the stadium, being at games, and talking to people around it, it becomes a bit cathartic, and you can you can understand situations a bit more, and you wonder why people watching at home are so pissed off because you see certain things in the stadium, it feels a different way. But I've got to the stage now, and I've never Paul Taylor, Peter Taylor aside. Um, I've never not wanted to watch Palace before, regardless of how bad things are. I've always wanted to go to the games and watch the games. And I find myself now turning on the TV when Palace are about to kick off. And I'm kind of hesitating and thinking, should I just watch Married at First Sight with a missus? Or, or like me for the Burnley game, you're turning on fully aware that you've just gone 2-0 down. I mean, what was that? I was literally like turning the computer on to turn it on, knowing we were 2-0 down, thinking... <laughs> Why am I fucking doing this? Mm. Uh, oh, sorry, it's still 80, it's still eighty minutes left, and no, it just got just got worse. Still well, watched Alicia, it though. Alicia knew under Pardew if we went two 0 down early, we'd probably only lose three two. So yeah, yeah, but my heart, my heart rate, the the peaks and the troughs within the ninety minutes, I'm sure was terrible, terrible for the the cardiac scenario. Like if we're getting like hammered, at least that's a you know, that's a solid state of misery. You don't have the ups and downs. That 5-4, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, I don't, the, the the iconic thing of that whole 5-4 for me is the um, friend of the pod, Ben Long, was standing next to me. And when we went 4-3 up, we finished celebrating and we both looked at the clock and looked at each other when there's still eight minutes left. <laughs> and we just both knew we just we just knew like that all they had to do was get a set piece and Ben Teke could not defend set pieces back then and we were a disaster in the penalty it was just yeah we knew we we just knew it was going to happen we knew we were going to probably lose the game um, the irony being that now he's probably one of the only people that can defend set pieces in our team. <laughs> well, he's at, he, I mean, yeah, one of, he's forgotten how to score goals, but he's a bloody good defender at the near post and corners now when he's on the pitch. But um, there you go, which is, you know, a lot to be said because now teams know just skip him out and we're a disaster anywhere in the middle of the penalty area from corners because that... I mean, that Burnley header was an absolute joke. Uh, although saying that, the the action that was on the Guaita, which was only just sort of obstructing him slightly. I was watching the Burnley-Fulham game before we started recording tonight. And um, for far less of the contact that was on Guaita, a free kick was awarded against Burnley tonight, which was infuriating to watch. But there you go. Um, Heskiff, I suppose we should let you have your say. What was, what's worse, now or now or then? Oh, it's tough. Like, I hate being the guy in the middle, but I think at least, like you say, with Pardew, at least you know you'd see Palace score. Like, I just watch Palace now and I just don't think we're going to score, especially when Wilf's not playing, you know. And we went 1-0 down after, what was it, five minutes? I can't remember what it was. Early, anyway, against Burnley. Before you knew it, it was 2-0. I was like, well, that's it, isn't it? 
we're not I know we're not going to score two goals so and that's when I tuned in <laughs> then saying that like uh, you know at least I'm saying oh, at least we knew we'd score under Pardew I do remember going to Burnley away funnily enough where we came back from two nil down to to, to go two all and then Pards like sent everybody up for a corner oh, minute, and then they broke and, and won and it's quite galling to walk down past all the Burnley was fans was that Ashley Barnes yeah. yeah yeah it was of course it was and, uh, <laughs> of course it was to walk, to walk, you know, down, down the ground. I think I was with you, Terence, actually, going yeah. to the the cricket ground, or whatever, and having all these Burnley fans singing "You Came a Long Way for Nothing." And the worst bit about that was they were right. <laughs> um, well, that's I, I remember the um, Palace fans as soon as we equalised, singing two 0 when you fucked it up. And there's a certain Palace fan. I, I, I would think it's most Palace fans, but obviously not considering that was being sung. They'd be like, "Oh, what are you doing? Like you, you're tempting fate here. Just let let it go. Let's let's let the game finish two two, and then we can sing that." And um, I, I, I remember Bernie fans outside singing two two, and you fucked it up as well, which was. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, I think the thing is, you talk about the cup run. The cup run, the cup run was really good, almost perfect, obviously, but. Like now, we don't even have that, you know. Like we're even going to get past the first game of the cup, you know. So we don't even really have that to look forward to. And I just like I'll always support Palace. Obviously, I'll always watch the games, all the rest of it. But it's just it's really dull. Like it's not enjoyable. It's not entertaining. And I think that the longer this goes on, the more disenchanted all of the fan base will be. Because you saw after the Burnley game, Leeds and Burnley games, even people who had been less royale were are now leaning a lot more that way just because it's like you don't see anything you don't see anything changing in terms of like formation or personnel or you know the way we play football so it's not good yeah and, and the final point for me on it is I confused the hell out of the misses when Eze scored against Wolves because I wasn't celebrating. I was just effing and blinding at the TV, just being like, that's what we're fucking capable of. And you shackle us and don't don't let us do this. Look, look at how these players can pass and, you know, a bit of freedom when the pit, when the pitch is opened up a bit. Look look what we can do. And you just, you, yeah, it's, it's infuriating. It really, really is. So ah, there you go. Right, let's... Um, finish that up there and now we're gonna after this short break go and listen and speak to joe walker from the international clearance podcast friend of the show joe walker back of the nest sponsored by pitch sport fun time videos choose your match day squad post match ratings and much more available to download on the app store and google play pitch dmm.com Okay, we are now joined by Joe Walker from the International Clearance Podcast, and not just the International Clearance Podcast. I mean, friend of the pod, Joe Walker. You've you've been on this show a couple of times before. Yeah, as I say, I'm not a complete stranger. I'd, I'd hope I'd have a bit more of a friendly, a friendlier welcome than that. It was very professional, but yes. How are you doing, guys? Yeah. You're right. Good, good. But you got big things going on now, so we need to like you know give you the the whole professional introduction and all that. Um, so you started your international clearance podcast um, for the listeners. Give us a little flavor of what it is. Yeah, it's a, a football podcast I started. Well, it launched in January, um, but someone I had a 
came to mind in the summer. Um, essentially, my me and my friend Scully, who we've been co-hosts on the radio for a few years, um, we interview Brits, basically Brits who have played or coached overseas uh, at some point in their careers. Whether that's someone that did it twenty years ago, like our next guest will be. Um, when is this coming out? Actually, I might give you an exclusive. This is this will be out Thursday, eighteenth of February. So okay. tomorrow morning. Yeah. Well, my next the next guest will be Les Ferdinand, for example. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Nice. Talking about his time in Turkey in the eighties, and then, um, but then we've also spoken to people, as we'll probably get to, like a Mandela Egbo who's twenty three out in the states right now. Um, and yeah, it's just I just feel like. There's a lot of football podcasts in terms of that conversational style. And I think they they tend to be my favorite, like, like the um, Under the Kosh, which I think is very good. And they tend to just speak to people that are less, that, you know, they're, they're, they're slightly less obvious people, but they are, I don't know what it is about footballers. They're so, all of them, because of maybe the dressing room culture, they've all got that after dinner speaker energy about them. They can all roll off stories so easily and they've all got a lot of interesting insight and stories and so I thought we'd just do like a, a, a version of that that was maybe a little bit untapped regarding kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like footballers from this country never seem to travel as much as others from other nations, probably because we've got the big uh, professional system that we do. But um, I, so I, I'm still, I still see it as a novelty, which is why I thought it would be interesting to hear about those that do it, why they do it, and um, whether they really encourage more people to do it. And uh, yeah, it's been quite fun so far. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've I've really enjoyed listening to the episodes. There was also you've had ex Palace player Peter Ramage on there as well, and um, we've had him on the pod a few times. Always great value. Yeah, but absolutely, what you're talking about after dinner, talking like players there who let's say you, you, there'll be players on the podcast you've probably never even heard of as well in terms of um, because they left uh, left England so early and been all around the shop. But they all talk so well. They all just seem so polished and. Like even Mandela Egbo is like so polite to even ask if he could swear. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, so we obviously don't want to give too much away about the Mandela Egbo, but um, interview that you had because we you should definitely go off and listen to after this um, from some accusations. It was it was an interesting pod. Yeah, I didn't. So Ramage was the first ever episode we did. And as, as you guys would attest to, he, he was an absolute gent. And, but it, it never, it never was deliberate to get so much palace in on the first season, but it's just the, the way things go. Someone introduced me to, uh, Mandela Egbo and I thought, Oh, amazing. Uh, and the person who introed me, I don't think knew that I was a palace or knew about the palace connection. So it was meant to be just talking about his time in Germany and the US, but obviously remembering his departure from Palace being a surprise, certainly. And a little, I didn't realize it was, there was such a cloud behind it. Maybe I just couldn't remember, but um, that ended up being quite a massive part of the episode. Um, and yeah, caused quite a lot of reaction among Palace fans as well that have heard it. Um, some people at the club got in touch as well uh, to go throw their two cents about the situation. But um, I'll, I'll keep that private just, just you know, for, for the sake of, I don't know, I don't get banned from the training gr- or, uh, ground like the agent was. 
<laughs> yeah so i mean it's episode four of international clearance but go back listen to the first episode peter ramage and all the ones through it's um different perspectives from different types of players all over you, you seem to have a penchant for goalkeepers which um being a goalkeeper myself i'll take it <laughs> but uh yeah so go and go and give it a listen what's the socials joe how can they find your podcast it's um i n t l clearance on twitter or instagram that's yeah international was too long it's just i n t l clearance that's the handle uh for for the account we we do a little teaser for which guests are coming up although you, you won't need that this week coming up now but um yeah and they, they the new episodes drop every wednesday on sort of apple Podcasts, spotify and I, I don't know quite how many other platforms i've been trying to get that checked there's a few more i think it's on amazon but um yeah, I, I just say the ones I definitely know for sure, and then we're working on the rest. Let's uh, get pipe in. Yeah, I just want to shout out the graphics that you put up every week ahead of the the episode drop in, mm. like the, the passport like image. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. Who, who does that? So that's another Palace connection. That's um, my friend Oliver, who I've been going with for to Palace since since we were kids, sort of like ten, twelve years old, and. Um, he for a time was uh the main graphics designer at palace in their office for a few years so he's he's always i don't know when the time came to have a concept i had an idea in my head of what i'd like to do with the the way it looked and um i tried get commissioning people who were good at graphics but weren't really very good at i didn't really have an awareness of football or the concept and it it just didn't work and then he just decided to do it on a on a whim and he just got all the references he got the idea and he's just made yeah these really cool things so the day before each episode yeah we have like a passport page or there's the stamps page of a passport and each club they've played with overseas has got a stamp and it just it's just a nicer way of kind of drip feeding the episodes and yeah it's it looks it looks it it made us look a lot more pro professional and clean and tidy th- at the start than we were so yeah, yeah absolutely. No, it's clear it does it looks clean it's um it's a good product and it's yeah, as i say completely worth going and taking some time out to listen to nice little palace connection in the background and um yeah so international clearance podcast joe thanks for joining buddy i'm sure we'll get you on the show at some point anyway just to you know moan about palace is pretty much what we do <laughs> on here these days so yeah i've got i've got plenty of that in me at the moment so yeah whenever you're ready <laughs> thanks for having me on Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Thanks again to Joe there for joining and talking about the podcast. Get on it. Listen to the Mandela Egg Boat episode. You will not be disappointed. Right before we get into the Brighton preview, it's time to tell you that support for Back of the Nest is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Big news. Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over and at all times. 
Who knew smelling so good could feel so good? Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Everyone knows Manscaped has the perfect package 3.0 for all your below-the-waist grooming needs, but they didn't stop there. Complete your grooming game with a new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection, hence me saying I smell like my balls last week. Light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. Calming and inviting, this signature scent introduces a light citrus burst before settling into the anchoring notes of vetiver and a woodsy masculine finish. This 50 milliliter spray cologne is even hyperallergenic, cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and it's 100% vegan. This beautifully designed glass bottle makes a statement, and the manly scent is attractive to set the mood. Also, be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0 with all the essentials for your below-the-waist grooming needs, including the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and crop formations. Yes, I'm talking about ball ocean and toner to keep your testes besties. And now you can use a new Manscaped Refined Cologne to complete your set and smell great anytime and anywhere. It's time to feel sexy, people. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. Your balls and your body will thank you. Um... Very briefly, Hesky, you said you used a lawnmower 3.0 earlier, and it was um, it's a close shave. Yeah, it's a it's a lot closer of a shave than I thought it was. Let's say that, but what, it does it does the job? Wonderful stuff. Mm, uh, if okay. you if you bleed whilst doing it, does it still make it vegan? <laughs> or does that mean an animal was harmed during? Oh, well, the the, um, the the vegan is the cologne, mate. So yeah, if you if you if you shave your balls and you bleed, I wouldn't recommend putting the vegan um, aftershave on your no, balls. It'd be like, to be it'd be like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so it's it's Brighton, and we could not have picked a worse time to pick them up. Um, unbeaten in six games in the Premier League. Uh, anyone, either of you want to hazard a guess at how many goals they've conceded in those six games? Is it two? One. It's one. One. One Fuck. goal. And we're, we're notoriously high scorers, <laughs> particularly without Wilf. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's an absolute given that the best we can hope for is a nil-nil. If only we had pards. If only we had pards. Um, also bad news here is that Brighton have managed at least two shots on goal in the opening 10 minutes of their last two games. And um, <laughs> you know what's been happening to us in the opening 10 minutes of the last two games. You got, you got, you got any other good stats? <laughs> um, I've got a good one in favour for us. I'll get to that in a second. Um, Albert, can you think of any? Why, why are we starting games so slowly or half so slowly? Isn't it we've conceded five goals in the opening five minutes of the last six halves of football? What, what what's this down to? You said a lot of numbers there. You did say a lot of numbers there. You, um, We've conceded six goals in the last in the opening five minutes of the last six halves of football, or five goals. Jesus! So, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, Burnley two, Leeds one, Newcastle one. Uh, why are we starting? I listen. I ain't got a fucking clue to be honest. <laughs> uh, 
Because like, my theory went bang out the window straight away against Burnley because my theory was that maybe it's because Ray Lewin has been absent and he's not been geeing everyone up at halftime and before the games to get them coming out all fired up. But um, he comes back and it got worse. So. Yeah, but, but even, even, even if that was true, it's a fucking damning indictment of the coaching of our squad that they need somebody to shout at them a bit in order to not concede a goal almost from kickoff. I mean, that's bad. I mean, I'm glad that your theory has been disproven. Um, <laughs> well, we, we need to get Hugo Lloris in the change room. Come in, come in there, Nate, lads. Come, come on, lads. guys. Fucking, fucking come on, Nate. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're way better than me. <laughs> Super Marche, shout out. That's a callback. Um, uh, why is it? I, I don't know. I wish I, it's, it's surely it's, it's too many times to be coincidence. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't make it any less painful to witness. I, I, I mean, I say less painful to witness, as I mentioned, I actually turned in at two nil, tuned in at two nil. So I kind of miss those. Um, but it's just, um, so it's not very we, good. we haven't conceded. So we only lost that game one nil. Yeah, in fact, it's just, it was the same with the Newcastle um, game. I, I, I missed the Newcastle goal in that, in that game as well. So I'm kind of blissfully, uh, unaware, but deep down, I know what's going on. <laughs> Right. So we love so we love these stats. Um, on whoscore.com, you'd be pleased to know we've now dropped from having two strengths as a team. We now only have one strength, which is um, stealing the ball from the opposition. But Heskiff, right underneath, it then lists our weaknesses, which is keeping possession of the ball. So we, we're good at stealing it and then giving it straight back. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I thought he was going to say Palace have one strength. Wilfred Zaha <laughs> uh, and the weakness is we don't currently have Wilfred Zaha mm, yeah we've we've now dropped to very weak on defending against long shots defending set pieces and defending counter-attacks um, you'll be pleased to know that Brighton's strengths are attacking set pieces creating long shot opportunities <laughs> And, um, you know, with the likes of Mope and up front and Trossard and March, they've got loads of pace for us on the counter just in case we want to try and hold the ball for a bit too long. So, uh, I mean, we feel bad going into Brighton games at the best of the time, Heskiff, but it's it's not looking very bright, is it? No, it isn't. Um, I'm dreading it, to be honest. I'm really dreading it. And I, and I think that's one of the things, thinking back to the HF statement, is this is the game where you do want to see the players right up for it and as we've discussed on previous pods and something that Wilf has said is that you know when we had Jedi and, and Damo and players like that they understood the rivalry and how important it was whereas I think this group of players probably don't care as much about it or don't understand it as much and then you look at Brighton and you think well Lewis Dunk's going to get him all G'd up and they, they tend to play all right against us Brighton um even when they're not in great form. And now that they are in good form, I'm just, oh, honestly, I'm dreading it. Because I just, you know, like, like we said, we're probably going to let a goal in early. We, we don't start well, which is not good. Uh, we don't finish particularly well, which is not good. And we don't really do much in between, which is obviously <coughs> not very good. Um, so it, it's just, you know, you look at the performances against Leeds and Burnley, and they're two different types of teams and they play two different types of football. But they both beat us, you know, fairly comfortably. I mean, we made Burnley look like fucking Bayern Munich. They they that 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 goal they that third goal they scored when 
PVA tried to foul someone and ended up on his ass was <laughs> cherry on the cake, really. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's not like, oh, oh we, we, we're losing to a certain type of team now. It's like we're just losing. We're playing badly and losing into all types of, of football team and all types of, like, whether it's possession play or long ball or whatever. Uh, and and I know I'm the miserable one, but I know that you know most Palace fans are feeling this way now, and it's just a horrible time to to play the team that you want to win more than anything, and they're also looking quite good at the time when you're looking really shit. Well, I've got a, I've got I've got a good. I mean, I can't say I've researched it. I saw it on Twitter the other day. I do have a promising stat that you might like, Heskiff. And it's that Brighton's last three home games, sorry, Brighton's last three home league wins have all come in three separate years. So that's got to be a bit promising, isn't it? Yeah, they've got, um, they've failed to win 15 of their last 16 home Premier League matches. And yeah, so their last three wins have literally come in because they won recently, 2021, 2020, they only had one home league win. And then the one before that was 2019. So no, you know, if we if we go there and win on Monday night, we've had as many wins at the Amex in the league as they have in the last two calendar years, which is um, obviously a crazy stat. But I mean, we're really scraping the barrel with that stat, aren't we? Well, I mean, it's they they obviously have struggles at home for whatever reasons that, that is, um, and sometimes there's just no explanations for these things. Sometimes they just happen. If I think back to the ninety seven ninety eight Premier League season when. We were brilliant away from home, but just could not find a way to win at home. And to the extent that it was so ridiculous that we beat Wimbledon away at Sellers Park, but couldn't win at Sellers Park when we were the home team. So, yeah, that's sometimes these things happen. And they, they still, Brighton still struggle to score goals. They're not scoring many goals, even in this six game streak where they haven't lost in the league. Um, a lot of all the games have been one by one goal or been draws. So, it's possible. I mean, there's not. It's also you got a derby. These these things happen in derby. Form form books go out the window, do they? Something like that. That's the that's the cliche, isn't it? So I can fucking hope so this time. Yeah, but um, as you continue with the stats, we've also as a result of all that, as Brighton will score from a long shot is very likely, and Brighton will score from a set piece situation is very likely, according to this. Um, yeah, and it will both be- within the first five minutes. <laughs> within the first, highly five likely, minutes. indeed. And it, it all just comes down to can can we find a way without Zaha, Albert? Is is it is it going to be this time that we find the way? <sighs> uh, is that a rhetorical question? Because I almost feel like it doesn't. It, it, I feel like it doesn't need an answer because we probably won't. To be honest. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's just there's just no hope with no Zaha. It's, I know it's 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 depressing to say, but it's the stats don't lie. Um, and to be honest, even with Zaha in, in the team, you know we we can blow hot and cold, uh, and a lot of cold has been blown recently. So if we're going to do it, I mean, like that. Going back to the HF statement, mon- Monday is. Um, it's going to be very telling about several factors. You know, can we can we up our game with or without Zaha um, to put a result out of the bag against you know our rivals in a in a in a derby game 
Uh, and again, delving further into that, if if there is no Zaha, what do we do? I mean, this is I mean, this is how bad it is. I mean, I I take I take a, a two one loss if it looks like we've actually fucking tried and we've scored and we've put in a decent performance. That's how that's how that's how sort of desperate it is at the moment because it's just been so limp. Um, so mm. we 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 need to we need to represent the shirt. We need to represent new ideas. Whether again, if that's without Zaha, then so be it. But I don't I don't want that to be the excuse because it's just getting f- fucking boring listening to Sky and BT commentators drone on about how shit we are without Zaha. I know they're only doing their job, but um, we need to buck that trend. Yeah. Um- for me, I think I think Monday night is gonna could be telling for Roy Hodgson as well. I think um, if if we go out of a whimper in that game and we lose that game, um, I, I, I genuinely think he could be in trouble. Um, yeah, I think you're right. You got to remember, deep down, Steve Parrish is a fan at the end of the day, and he, as much as I'm sure everything's geared towards Hodgson leaving at the end of the season. He's still having to watch this as well, and he will he will know it's not right. And he's in touch with the fan base in terms of he reads tweets and they reads tweets. So I'm liking certain tweets which were slagging off the performances the other day before he unliked them, um, which was very interesting to see. And I've, I've I've seen the screenshots that showed he liked this tweet, and then his like went away several minutes later, and it was completely derogatory against the football that Roy is putting out. So he sees these things without a doubt. And if if we go out of a whimper, if we go there, we lose 2-0 and we don't even look like we're going to score and the players look disinterested again and don't treat it like a derby, as we know most of them don't even see it as one in their brains or a rivalry, I should say, not a derby, obviously. It's going to be, um, I, I think it could be curtains for him or some very difficult conversations are going to end up taking place in that week. You know, just like, let us get you, please allow us to get you to the end of the season so you can leave with some grace instead of us having to sack you from what will all likely be your last job in football. Let's let's not do it. Let's get you to the end of the season. Try and play some attacking football. We're safe, effectively. Play some attacking football. Open it up a bit. Excite the fans a little bit. And then we can all pat each other on the back at the end of the season and say thank you very much for what would have been a fantastic tenure because, you know, you you can't overlook what he did in the first season for us. It was amazing. He dragged us out of a massive hole there. Absolutely. And he's consolidated us. But now it's time to move on. But let, please help us help you, Roy. Help us help you get to the end of the season. Um but I don't. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, I don't think Parish would be too scared to pull the trigger at, at this stage. I think, but um, hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully, as I say, Roy can just find a way to excite us all a little bit for the last handful of games. What we got? 13 games left. You know, just win five or six of those, and um, yeah, as I say, let's let's wave each other off, and um, you can use your keys to Croydon's to get into my house if you want, and uh, I'll make you a nice cup of tea, give you some chalky bourbons or something. <laughs> uh, predictions, Hesky, what are you thinking? Uh, we're going to lose two now. And Albert, uh, we're going to lose two one. I'm going to forever be the optimistic uh, voice, and I'm going to go for a nil nil draw. Um, Whoa. <laughs> 
That's why it's come to, ladies Tiny and gents. Tiny Rebel, their beers are too strong. Uh, he's yeah, he's gone for a nil-nil. I've, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this key lime lager, and I'm not just saying that because they've sent it to me for free, and free beer definitely tastes better than beer you've paid for, but there you go. Um, so anyway, thank you guys for joining and talking through that with us. Um, massive shout out to Joe Walker for joining us and talking about his International Clearance podcast. Please go and check that out. It's excellent. Um, who's next? Who we got next? Fulham. Oh, well, when Fulham took the lead tonight on the night of recording against Burnley, um, I was starting to get really worried, but they've drawn one one with Burnley, so they're still, t- I think, ten points behind us at this stage. So, obviously, it could could get down to seven at that point because I think their next their next games against Sheffield United and against then against us. So, um, yeah. So, if you know we lose lose to Brighton, lose to them, they'll only be four points behind us. So, we've hey got guys, to- we can talk about how we're going to lose to Fulham on next week's show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do it now. <laughs> but yeah so listen out listen out for uh, well it w- there won't be a, a match report this week it will be us again covering it next week uh, oh no nah, really so we'll have to talk about Brighton and then again and then talk about Fulham so um, yeah what na- what day is that going to be <laughs> um, well it depends I guess if we if we beat Brighton it will it will be Tuesday night uh, if we if we lose to Brighton, it will likely be Wednesday night. I'm with... very busy next week. I just I can see it. I'm very busy next week. <laughs> well, look, everyone wants to see that Still Man movie, so um, yeah, looking looking forward to having you on, Albert. With no 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 escaping. Um, yeah, so look until next week, everyone. Up the palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.